Outside Centre with Dr Dark. Today's guest is Kevin Hodgetts of Arty Party and uh, hopefully he's going to tell us all about it. So tell us about Arty Party. Hello Paul. Um, Arty Party is an arts project for people with learning disabilities. We're based in Telford. Um, we have about 45 members in our adult group and we've got about 20 young people in the young group. So what um, are the age ranges of those people? The adult group consists of adults um, 18 and over, so that goes right up to 65. Mm-hmm. I think we've got a couple of people over 65, so that's like across the whole range there. And the, the young group is under 18s, 12 to 18s. And we do like a whole range of sort of arts projects, arts activities, and we promote events. Um, so, so what kind of activities? What specific activities <coughs> do you do? Um, we've in the past we've done a lot of visual art and sort of craft-based stuff. We've taken part in carnivals. Um, we've sort of organised and promoted nightclubs and designed the interior of those nightclubs. Um, in the past 12 months, we've concentrated on getting a performance group off the ground, and we've got a performance group of 10 adults now who meet every Thursday and produce performance work. And um, by performance work, what do you mean by performance? A lot of people, performance work doesn't really yeah. get grips with what it is. <laughs> Give us a bit more detail on that. That's a good question because we decided when we started this that we were going to have a, a really close look at the people in the group and and then design work around their existing skills and abilities rather than attempt to scale them up mm-hmm. and, and put them through some sort of arduous sort of um, course in, in sort of getting the, the traditional skills you associate with performance. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're sort of starting from ground zero. We're sort of saying, OK, these are the people in the room. How are we going to design performance around these people, working with these people. And th- this is what we've been doing. Uh, um, so what's the content of a performance? Yeah, well, a lot of people in the group, for instance, have problems memorising lines mm-hmm. or maybe um, they'll struggle to, to have the discipline to, to, be in, to, to come into the um, performance at a particular moment. Um, so, so we've designed ways of doing performance that sort of get around those problems. And our performances are more based upon spontaneous improvisation. And because of that, we use a lot of capturing devices, technology. We mm-hmm. use um, cameras, um, sound recording equipment and the like. Um, and we sort of build performance that way. And you, you film a lot of the work you do? We film a lot of the work we do, which allows us to then take it away and have a close look at it and pick the bits the, are the best bits and then you edit it with the group as well so it's, it's a collective process all well, the way through no the editing often goes on we, we work with professional artists mm-hmm. and often these these professional artists will go away and do the editing themselves under instruction mm-hmm. um, and do you do music in your group we do we've kind of we haven't got to the point where we're producing our own soundtracks yet but we um, we, we've done uh, sort of specific music projects in the past and ag- again we, we've taken a similar approach there where we've um, in, instead of trying to um, reproduce a version of the sort of mainstream music 
that you you hear on the radio. It, it tries to tie in with the kind of performance which is spontaneous and. Well, well, it's about for us. It's about people making informed choices about the work that they produce. So often we'll start with something really basic, like we'll, we'll start with a, a sound recording device, and we'll, we'll investigate a room, interrogate the room, mm-hmm. see what's in the room, and and, and try and record or, or or support the person to record something that they like in the room, mm-hmm. and then we'll take that away and we'll assemble it with all the bits and pieces and we'll involve that person as much as we can in in putting together a sort of composition. So, so coming back a bit again, you're based in Telford. Based in Telford. And where are your members from? Are they um, from Telford or can yeah. they come from outside as well? We're, we're set up to support people in Telford. So mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I think probably 95% of our members come from Telford. Mm-hmm. Um there are a few people who, who travel further in. Mm. And do you have much to do with Dash? Yeah, we... Because um, we've had Dash as guests before and we've got them coming up again on various things. I'll bet you have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, they are the leading disability art group in the region, really. Yeah, so. we, um, yeah we, we do a lot of things with Dash, really. We, we, we're sort of in touch quite regularly. They, they sort of support the work we do and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, they're, they're quite heavily involved in carnival work, and um, we've worked with them quite closely before in, in sort of um, bringing our group to carnivals that they've. Promoted. So, in fact, the carnival was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? So, and oh, yeah. were you involved in the most recent one? Yeah, yeah. And what did you do in that one? Uh, we decided to take a different tack on this one instead of because in the past our carnivals have sort of been the end result of a process which has been about making stuff to wear or to, to carry along the street and we decided to kind of do it backwards this time and we decided the carnival was going to be the starting point for a project in which we were going to use the opportunity to, to, to go up the street as a way of collecting material mm-hmm. um, so, so what we did was we took loads of cameras and um, recording devices out onto the street and we recorded the crowd um, as we walked up the street. So we kind of reversed that sort of process because obviously in carnivals, usually it's about the crowd looking in yep. on, on the people processing up the street. And we decided that we were going to use that opportunity as a way to, to, to start a project about the way people look at people with disabilities. Well, I was just about to say, actually, in relation to audiences, who, who is your audience and, and what's your kind of feedback from them? Because I've always found disability audiences are... Uh, the mainstream audience is very uh, anti, not anti, but resistant to kind of disability arts. And, and so how do you find audiences and, and what's the kind of reaction to you? I think, I think for us it's really about... Our focus has been on the integrity of the work and we haven't been, up to this point, overly concerned about about reaching lucky audiences. You. <laughs> lucky you. Um, well, I, th- I think that's excellent. And I think you, I think it's the integrity of the work that counts, but it's it's unusual to have that kind of freedom. And I think that's one of the things I think that's very good about disability art. We do have that freedom. Mm-hmm. And we're almost allowed not to have an audience. Mm-hmm. And I think it's up to us to exploit that opportunity to extend the work across all ranges and abilities. I agree. And uh, recently we, we got involved in a... A collaboration with a company called Salamander Tandem, who are they're trying to build this um, environment where people can sort of it's it's sort of a space animated by loads of cameras and projections and and sound recording devices again microphones, 
And the idea is that you can enter into this space and do it and, and just create spontaneous performance just by walking through it. Someone's image will be thrown up onto a big screen. And, and what we found is that people with learning disabilities respond really creatively to this environment, whereas people without learning disabilities struggle with it. Absolutely. I can imagine they're being quite alienated. Yeah. And thinking, oh, my God, I'm being recorded. Oh, yeah. All those kind of uh, inbuilt anxieties about performance. And yeah. about how you how you are presented and people with learning disabilities for some reason they, they don't feel that as strongly or as keenly they enjoy seeing images of themselves and um so so it's been quite fascinating this, this collaboration and we, we did a project up in leeds with them based at Bretton hall where we had the use of a theater and we took um six of our performance artists up there and, and we did this sort of residency during the week and it was We'd sort of, we'd sort of. Um, Had you done much preparation? Yeah, we'd sort of, because we're also, because because obviously we're we're um, paying uh, professional artists and support workers to come in and support the group. There's there's that sort of tricky relationship between to what extent are these professional artists and support workers involved in the work. Is it, it? Does the work belong? Is it authored by? Is it a partnership, or is yeah. it led, or is, is it, it? So I think we've we've realised now that it is an active collaboration, and that when we're we're bringing artists in, we want them to contribute to the project as artists. We don't want them to. I think there's this anxiety often about making yourself disappear, and it's almost about how how do you facilitate a group without sort of. Um, taking it over, and I think that the role of the artist has always been quite problematic. So, so in relation to the artists, where, where do you find these artists, and do you, do you give them training on working with people learning difficulties, yeah. or how does that go? Often, I mean, we do find them um, in different <laughs> ways. Um, do, do they approach you as well? Sometimes, sometimes it's somebody who will phone me up and we have a chat about the work that they've done in the past or the work that they're interested in doing in the future. And if our sort of ideas and philosophies and interests tie up, then I'll introduce them to the group and the group will, will make their own, own opinion about that artist and whether they enjoy working with them. And the group so then decide, make yep, the decision? Yeah. Um, we've got a committee of 10 adults who with learning disabilities who sort of make decisions about the direction the group's taking and we, we sort of meet four times a year and that happens. Um, I was going to say about audiences, that point about the project up in Leeds was that, um, yeah, we set this room up and the space and, and our performers went into it and spontaneously created pieces of movement and and there were live microphones in the space and there was lots of sort of singing or, or alternative singing going on. And it, at times it was quite uncomfortable to watch. And uncomfortable for, for you? Yeah, um, this is me being really honest now. And at other moments, it, it was like stunningly beautiful. And so, so explain why were you uncomfortable? It was it was uncomfortable because there's no real frame of reference to judge what it is that's going on. Because it, it, it this performance, it was beautifully lit and whatever, but it it had really high production values. But it was hard to place it in terms of what we conventionally think of as performance. It was So it, it had no linear narrative, yeah, no it, beginning, it, middle exactly. and end. Exactly. It wasn't a piece of theatre, it wasn't a piece of cinema, but it had images and it had sort of drama and movement. Um, it didn't seem to make any logical sense. Um, at times it felt a bit like watching an opera when somebody was wailing into a microphone. 
But um, that's a good definition of opera. I like that one. <laughs> but, um, and, and it was just that discomfort I, I felt as a non-disabled person, mm. um, attempting to make sense of it, and it being. Um, for me, it was about the work being on their territory rather than mine, and I find that really interesting. And I think it sort of problematizes how we introduce audiences to that because the support workers were coming in the room, and they were f often they were feeling really uncomfortable. Mm. And we had this thing again where the, the people with learning disabilities were just coming into the space and exploring it in a really free and open way. So, and so were there members of the public there at the same time, or was it just you creating? We, this? we sort of we created the space, and we worked with our group within the space so that they uh, they were comfortable with it, and they could support other people coming in, and that was their role during the week. Um, but, but but we didn't kind of direct them, if you know what I mean. It was mm. more about um, giving them structures so so that they wouldn't get stuck. So that if if they felt like doing a certain thing then they'd know how to sort of pull it back and start again and, and mm. go into something else. Mm. And we supported them during the week in doing that. But really it was a, a, a totally improvised performance. And have you made a record of that? Um, we sort of shot loads of film and we've, we've sort of still got that film. We really don't know what to do with it. It's this problem about um, although we came out of the week and everyone was just buzzing and saying that was a fantastic experience, there's this problem about how you present it to audiences mm. and this... Even the question, do you need to present it to it, audiences? Well, I think that's very important, an important question, do you need to? And, and to some extent, you don't. I think it's about the process that counts. Yeah. So we've got Kevin Hodgetts of Arty Party, and we're talking about performance and the process, etc., of Arty Party. So you said that you, you book the artists, or you get the artists, you get to know them, and you, you let the group decide. Have you had any disasters with various artists? <laughs> yeah, um... You might say, but whether you call them disasters, I don't know whether I'll use that word, but um, we've made a few mistakes along the way. Um, and I, these mistakes usually fall into one of two categories. We are, you either get an artist who has such, um, such a lack of confidence in what people with learning disabilities can do that they introduced a sort of work by template mm -hmm. where they have this restricted and limiting view of what people with learning disabilities are capable of means that a project is designed so that um, a participant can have some input but it's not very expressive and we've had a we've had a number of projects like that but we've we've learned from them and um, but have the artists learned from well, them? well I don't know <laughs> I've never seen them again. <laughs> <laughs> but then but but then the other the other mistake that people fall into I think is where the people with learning disabilities are overindulged and often you get artists coming in and being very open and that and this is for completely the right reasons they they're coming in and saying to the group what do you want to do and often then questions of taste come in and and for instance the the group will say um, oh we want to do something about our favourite television program you know. Or we want to do a piece of music that's a bit like Boyzone or ABBA or something mm -hmm. like this. And the problem there... And that really is a question of the, taste, obviously. Well, it is, yeah. <laughs> and the, the problem there is you end up getting into... Um, because because taste is sort of leading them in, into selecting these sort of um, dif different sort of um, performance sort of things. Um, you, you end up with 
with an impossible job to be done. Like, how do you make a, a boy's own record or an ABBA record with someone with a learning disability? And it's like impossible. And we, we've had projects before, but one springs to mind, where we've done a project around the group's interest in a television programme. Mm. And it's, and the, and the artist was just overly indulgent in, in, in sort of letting the group decide the ground on which we were gonna st- we were gonna start a project with. And I think the best projects we've done is where we've removed the group to, um, I'll call them journeys of estrangement, is what, is what we <laughs> like to do. We like to take the group to really strange otherworldly places. Mm-hmm. And and ask them to ask them to, to to sort of imagine themselves in a sort of new world, and we can we can start building that world brick by brick and like mm. from point zero again. So, so would would you say your projects t- take a, a longer because of, because uh-huh. it's of groups of people learning difficulties, and uh-huh. therefore that they they cost more, which is which is valid, and and but equally then they're often more rewarding. Yeah, um, and often the work that's produced, if the process has been a, a good one. From our point of view, I think the work that's produced would be quite a strange one, mm. and often that's a test for the for for the, you know if we look back on work that we've done. Um, I was just listening to a piece of music in in my car while I was waiting to come in here. I had my computer out and I was going through some old projects because I was I was trying to decide what I wanted to bring in here today, and um, I found an old piece of music that we'd done through this process where we, we'd gone out and captured live sounds in the environment and brought them back and worked with a composer to put them together. And um, really quite bizarre and strange music. I don't know whether you've ever listened to Lake Junction on Radio 3. I do, yes. The music, strange music from all over the world. Well, I think we have a natural home on that on that show. I think you should start submitting your stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it can't be any worse than some of the stuff they do play, but, but it could be as, as good as some of the best stuff that they oh, play. thank you. Um, yes. You know, I, th- I think it's a cracking programme, actually, and I think... Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the audience because I've always found, you know, like, for example, even, say, Blue-Eyed Soul or, or Can Duco, when I've seen them do dance stuff, I've seen an audience come out and all they're capable of saying is, aren't they brave? Uh-huh. And so, <laughs> which is kind of like, I think you've missed the whole point, why did you bother coming? But do you, do you suffer from that to some extent when you ever do deal with audiences? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but we sort of get pressed to show our, our films and... And our material at all sorts of like different kinds of events, community events, and you know, whatever. And and sometimes that's that can be really difficult because you get, you know, that word nice keeps coming in. Oh, it, oh it's nice to do this sort of stuff, <laughs> isn't it? And, and I don't think of myself as that nice a person, really. I mean, <laughs> I'm in it, and most of the people I work with are in it. Because we're fascinated by the working, the work, and the processes that underlie that work, and the politics of it. Mm-hmm. And for me, for me, Paul, it's more interesting and rewarding to collaborate with someone with a learning disability than it is to do my own stuff. Because I'm bored by myself, mm. and I think a lot of artists um, benefit from being exposed to different ways of thinking, from you know the, the perception of, of others. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be for artists who open themselves up to it. That those challenges, it can be incredibly rewarding and exciting. So, so what? What? So it's not like we're doing it because we're nice, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and I can see that audiences um, come 
come to the work, like parents and carers often come to the stuff we do, if we do like events. And yeah, they come out with all those well-meaning cliches, you know, like, isn't it brave, isn't it lovely, you do wonderful work. But, and there is that lack of understanding about why we're doing it. Mm. But then, you know, I've seen some Damien Hirst work and I think, God, isn't it nice and brave? <laughs> That's about the best you can say. <laughs> but, I, I, so, so how long have you been with Arty Party? I've been at Arty Party for three years now. And, and what got you into the kind of disability I'm, arts? I'm right? glad you asked, because this is immediately connected to the previous point, where I... I, I try was, and do that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Even if it's skillful. intentional. <laughs> <laughs> but I was working and I was doing an arts development job in Tamworth, and um, I was, I was, I'd just got into it, and I was kind of still at the point where I was thinking, what is arts development? I've been doing it for like six months, so I don't really know what it is. And we... Um, we had a residency by Salamander Tandem, who have become one of our key partners now in Telford. And they, we were tasked with doing a, doing a, a project, a week-long project with a group from a day centre. And um, these people were bussed into the media centre where we worked. And, and what fascinated me um, was that Isabel from Salamander Tandem started the, the project on day one by walking around and giving everyone a £5 note. And then she said, right, let's just go and spend it. And the whole point was that this was going to be a project in which people made real choices. And we, we, we just went into town then. Everyone bought something for £5. And, um, and then we bought it back. And then we, we kind of used that as the starting point for, for taking photographs and collecting sounds and images. And we built a sort of installation during the week. But what I really liked about that, that whole process and the way, that way of doing artwork was... The way it was the collabor collaborative aspects of it, but also how open ended it could be mm. that adventure. So I was kind of interested in, in sort of this the nature of this specific work at that point. But then the Shysters came to town, um, learning disabled theatre company from Coventry, and they do this. If you haven't seen it, that they produce work that that they say has got a learning disabled aesthetic to it. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're embracing that idea that the work is going to be different. And the main point of their work is it's not logical, it's not linear, and you have to kind of open yourself up to that. But they p produced this show and we sort of commissioned them to do it in Tamworth called Tango Apocalypse. And I hate, I hate conventional theatre. It bores mm. me stupid. And mm. the number of times I go to theatre... Um, mainstream theatre and walk out because I'm bored stupid is it's just blokes and women showing off to Absolutely. me usually and it, for me the training and the technique gets in the way of mm. like an honest sort of relationship and, and that notion of linear narrative yeah mm. so anyway the shysters come to town and they do this show that's completely sort of um, a reversal of that it's got loads of integrity it's got it's got it's got movement that's really naturalistic and, and quite beautiful and graceful and I don't know, it's, it had a real humanity about it. And I I just loved the sort of aesthetic that they that they'd achieved. And um, I mean, we still work with the Shysters now. We, they're one of our collaborating companies. But um, that's really why I got into it, Paul, just interest in the work. So uh, taking it on to the next level, what what's... What's the mainstream's reaction to you? For example, your description of the thing you did in, in Leeds with the group in Leeds sounded excellent. And I thought, you know, I've been up to Wolverhampton Art Gallery and thought, that sounds better than most of the things I've ever seen there. <laughs> and it would be nice to be able to get, you know, a real true 
high-ranking gallery like Wolverhampton or, you know, one of the big ones even, to have something like that in it because it would be a truly revolutionary moment. But equally, I think that offers a greater insight into humanity than a lot of the work that they do have. And so how yeah. do you find... Can you get into the mainstream places and are they open and receptive or is still there a lot of work to do then? We, we haven't really tried. You haven't tried? No, we haven't knocked the door. You're letting the public down then. <laughs> Honest, I mean, I mean, you're letting the public down because I think they need... Uh, uh, the arts culture needs things like that. and mm -hmm. I, I think it's your duty, actually, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is to, to try and get into those places. I think, I think for us, I mean... This performance thing's been going nine months, and we've kind of, as I've said, we've been focused upon creating work with integrity to it. Mm. And the question of audiences and getting the message out there has necessarily, you know, sort of been shelved for, for the time being. But I agree with you, we do have um, a responsibility and a duty to get the work out there once we're happy with it. Mm. And I think we're, you know, we'll be minded to do that. Mm. I'll take your point. Excellent. We've got Kevin Hodgetts here of Arty Party. You've just done a DVD. What's that called and what's it about? Tell us about it. It's um, a short film, um, six minutes long, something like that. Um, it's called Group of Gardeners. Um, and what's it about? I don't think we know yet. <laughs> I don't think we know what it's about. If I, if I describe what's... What, what does it contain? What does it contain? <laughs> I'll tell you how it started. That might help. Um, we, we had a performance group. Um, we work with an artist called Ray Jacobs, who's a choreographer and a performance artist. And um, we, we got our performance group in a room. We played them a piece of very cinematic music. And we asked um, each individual in the group to come up with a visual image and that, 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 was, that was, would explain the, the uh, music. And um, each of them came up with these sort of very sort of stark and arresting sort of images and storylines. And we used that as a starting point to build a piece of um, performance. And again, it ended up being filmed. Um, each of the lines start with, the line, uh, start with once upon a time, da 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 da. Mm. Um, and we had a number of these lines and we selected them. So, so for the f I think this is the first time we've worked in this way. We sort of started off with the script of this one, and then we worked out what the movements and whatever were going to be um, uh, afterwards. And, and where can people see it? <laughs> it's um, uh, we're submitting it to festivals at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. If people are desperate to see it before it goes into any of these festivals, they can contact me. And where can they contact you? They can email me. Um, Say it slowly and spell out the words. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Kevin dot Hodgetts, which is H O D G E double T S, at Telford dot gov dot UK. Right, excellent. And it's, but you've done other DVDs. Like I, I recently saw one called I Saw a Girl, which I thought was excellent. And, yeah. and that had music as well in it. Was that original music that had in it? Yeah. yeah. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> no um, that was about, actually, that was interesting. We took a group um, to, to a sort of uh, art gallery in Nottingham. Actually, it was a, a theatre, actually. There was a performance event. We took a, we took a group to this performance event in Nottingham. And we, we came back. The next week, and we, we all sat around and we had a chat about what had happened. And we do these sort of debrief sessions, and um, we asked people what they m remembered most from it. And 
one of the performance members, uh, Michael, said, uh, I saw a girl, and that was his memory from the day. And we thought that kind of, um, that was kind of expressive of his personality. And he has this way of sort of transcending what's going on in the room and sort of existing in his own space. And we wanted to do a film that was about that and express that. And we sort of took Michael off to Shrewsbury and we, we, we filmed him in his pyjamas <laughs> in um, Shrewsbury. Again, again, that was quite interesting because we all, as sort of people who were supporting the project, had sort of a lot of reservations and anxieties about whether that was um, an ethical thing to do. In what sense? To take someone with a learning disability into um, a town centre. In, in their pyjamas. In their pyjamas. And, and even if that person had agreed to it, to what extent could you demonstrate that that was in an informed decision about mm -hmm. what they were going to do? Mm -hmm. um, so, so following on from that, would yeah. you say your, the work that you do actually uh, kind of challenges stereotypes and archetypes of people with learning difficulties and is that what you're intending because you had said earlier about you like the politics of it is, mm -hmm. th is that part of what the politics is mm -hmm. i think there is there's a a lot of this anxiety about working with people with learning disabilities and securing their permissions before doing stuff is an anxiety that people with learning disabilities themselves don't feel and and, and the the way in which we get around it is because you can't really sit down with somebody and rationally sort of discuss what's going to happen mm -hmm. and, and expect them to understand it in, a, in any sort of meaningful or deep way. Um, often we have, to, we have to show people what's involved mm -hmm. and, then, and then almost sort of after it's happened, ask them how they felt about it and if they didn't like it, which I don't think has ever happened on our project, then, mm -hmm. then we, we wouldn't sort of pursue it any further. Yep. But, you know, in a way that's how, that's how we get around these problems is that we... we we do it first, and then we see how people feel about it. And then you, you know, well, as I say, it's been fine every time we've done it. So, um, and, and you said earlier, I think you said it, that the shyster said it. You talked about a learning disability aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Is that what you try and achieve? And could, could you can you verbalise that a little bit more for us? <laughs> I know that's a hard one. It's a hard one because in a way you're trying to verbalise something that a quality that doesn't have any logic to it, mm. in a way. But but in a way, that's what we're trying to capture. We're trying to capture the, the sort of perception of the world and the way that people with learning disabilities feel about the world mm. um, you know, through, through the art that we're, that we're making. But you use the word quality there, and again, I think that's another issue around disability art that often people say, you know, it's about the quality. How do you define that notion of quality when people will be learning difficulties? And do you put it on an equal par with what the mainstream terms quality? No, I think there are established notions of quality that we're doing our best to undermine and challenge. And for us, when I talk about quality, it's, 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 a, it's an integrity in the work itself that we're making. So it's, I think when we start on any project, we're not looking... Um, for an end result in our heads. We haven't got a vision of what it's going to look like. Mm. For us, it's about um, engineering a process that has some integrity to it and then just trusting that the work that comes out of that will have, um, again, will have this thing called in integrity or 
what quality, whatever quality means, I don't know. <laughs> you, you said they used the phrase that you were trying to undermine the conventional notions of quality. What do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. let, um, let me just start by saying, to me, that's at the heart of what I consider to be disability art, mm -hmm. is to undermine that conventional notion as an illusion. It's not real. You know, mm -hmm. quality isn't real. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as quality. Uh, how, how do you take that? What do you take that to mean? I don't know. I don't, I mean, in a way, I'm thinking, looking at it the other way, and people who accept those notions of quality as something sort of eternal and solid, you know, and there are certain ways of doing musical theatre, for instance, and people go to all these stage schools and do all these steps, and they're all trying to do it. It's like a, that, that whole adherence to sort of the classicism. And the, the, there's a, like a classic way of doing something, and if you don't measure up, then, you know, you might as well get out. And I just think that that's whole approach does a huge disservice to people with disabilities of any kind. Well I'd take it that step further and say it does a huge disservice to everybody mm -hmm. because it, it, it ends up being about the banality and the sameness exactly. of everything yeah. and that to me is what I think and this is what I, I genuinely meant it when that it's your duty to get the stuff you're talking about into the mainstream galleries because often what they do have is that conventional notion of quality which is absolutely soulless and absolutely and completely banal and meaningless. Even if they intend that in a kind of postmodern ironic way, it doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's the work of, of, of people such as yourselves and, and other disability are, both learning disabled and not, that I think is so important to society. And also, and I, and this is another thing, it's, it's important to the vibrancy and the culture of, of art itself. Mm. And I think... It is a very stale thing at the moment. If you look at the kind of things that win the Turner Prizes, you know, I've seen disability art that's, you know, decades ahead of that kind of stuff because it, because it doesn't have any of that kind of knowledge or that insight that disability art does. Would you agree? Yeah. A bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes, you're a genius, Paul. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, I think a lot of the art I encounter so-called quality art that exists in galleries or theatres or whatever is is sort of reached a point of re total redundancy because it is based on these sort of classical traditions um, that, are, that just get in the way of, of, of what I'm looking for, I think. And I, I think if, if you start from the proposition, what could art be with this person at this particular time? What could dance be with this person at this particular time? I think you're in a much stronger sort of starting point and uh, you know that the, there's sort of a rich potential there mm. for everybody and I mean everybody to make art that's really um, that has a truth and integrity to themselves mm. I think that's it mm. that's right so what's next well um, <laughs> um, we are looking at I mean we're, we're continuing the we're continuing the work that we're doing and you've got the stuff you've got at the carnival that you're going to start to work oh, with, yeah, yes? yeah. I mean, that's because we we sort of like these open-ended projects. We we sort of start these things. And we don't really know where they're going, and there's a sort of excitement in that. But there's also a, a there's also a sort of um, terror in that you think, well, where will this ever end? Mm. But yeah, we're, we're sort of working our way through these materials. I think I think the plan is that we're going to attend as many carnivals as we can, mm. and sort of use it as a sort of th this could be quite a big thing. So yeah, that's continuing. Um, but also, I think I'll take your point about we need to we need to get the work out there, and I think that's the next twelve months. 
So uh, a simple question now, coming yeah, back to on, that. Who, who funds you? Uh, the Arts Council of England fund us quite generously to run the performance group. Good. Um, the Tofton Drinking Council pay for me hmm. to coordinate arty party and, and sort of manage the project, which is what I'm doing exclusively. Um, and is it solely you, really? You don't have any kind of assistance or I'm the only, full only project? No, I'm the only full-time person. We employ um, Ray Jacobs to, to sort of... Uh, to, to support us with the performance group and, mm -hmm. and we've got uh, Julie Watson who does she's a visual artist and again she, she helps us with the support performance group but she also works on the other sort of visual art projects and works with the younger group as well so we've got um, a couple of filmmakers attached to the project who help Jonathan Tritton from Shrewsbury um, has worked on the last two films that we've done Steve Hazel, who's based um, in Albrighton, in Wolverhampton, um, he's 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 done quite a lot of films with us, and and his his sort of role is more about documenting the project. Mm -hmm. um, so so hopefully, when we get round to having a disability film festival in Wolverhampton, hopefully mm -hmm. in April two thousand and eight, time flying by, you'll uh, come and show some of your stuff so that... We've got yards of it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're hoping for an Andy Warhol 12-hour epic of... I'll be happy to oblige. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Okay. So, so what can we end with? That's what I was going to say. To me, uh, a lot of disability art is about the process. It's not about the product. And I think you've just spoken very eloquently about that. A lot of people would say, well, what's the point? What's yeah. the point? Yeah. Why, why do we fund you to do that? Why don't we give it to something else? Yeah. Tell they would me. say that, wouldn't they? <laughs> my, my response would be, I mean, but I, I, a typical response might be to what I've said today. It would be, what's the point of having a performance group if you're not taking it out to audiences or you're disinterested in, mm. in audiences? And I think my point would be that um, I think the value of performance... Is something that we can all get something out of, mm. and I think I think there's something intrinsic about about the notion of of performing that that is good, and I think it makes people feel good about themselves. So and 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 for me, that that just that idea in itself that that I that performance is good for people and and, and can make can grow their self-esteem and self-confidence. Mm. That, for me, legitimises the process. So, so, one final question. I know the last oh. one was a final question, but I'd like to have another final question. Why is it art and not therapy? Because, again, that's a, a, a big term that's thrown at dis disabled people, learning disabled, non-learning, non about their work. It's therapy, it's not art. Why is yours art and not therapy? I think it's art yeah. and not therapy. You tell me why it's not art and therapy. And it's, because it's art. therapy is for me it's about correcting something that's missing or wrong about the individual mm -hmm. and art is about making an object or creating something new in that's in resistance to society and the ideas that persist in society so f for me it's about you starting from the opposite end of the telescope. It's not about saying there's something missing in this individual and we're going to do our best to put that back or correct it in some way. We're saying we're, we're taking that individual and it's like 
tell us about society. Tell us about how you fit into the world or maybe don't fit into the world. And it's, it's like, for me, it's the opposite of therapy. I agree completely. Kevin Hodgetts, Artie Party, thank you. Outside Centre with Dr. Dark. WCR.